For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo, Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you are surviving quarantine. Hope you haven't pulled all your hair out. Hope you're doing well with your family, spending some family time. We have got a great program for you today. This one is going to be fantastic. Suzanne and Joe Stabile are coming on to talk about Enneagram and marriage. Suzanne Stabile has been working with the Enneagram for more than 30 years. She has all the information, all the knowledge. Her husband, Joe, comes on to talk about Enneagram in your marriage. Let's dive into it. Here are Suzanne and Joe Stabile on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? So glad you could join us today. I'm here with Laura. Hello, everybody. The Atomic Mom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you like that still. I don't know. Yeah. kind of do. (laughs) We have an exciting program for you today. Mm -hmm. I have just fallen in love with this couple. We've got Joe and Suzanne Stabile on talking about Enneagram and marriage. We just met Joe for the first time. Suzanne, we've met before. I'm telling you, since we did that program, I got so much feedback. People that love it. The Enneagram has opened their eyes to their own personalities, to their kids, their parents, their spouses, their coworkers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is giving people so much freedom And I knew how important it would be in marriage. And I love that you and your husband are coming on to talk about the Enneagram and marriage. Mm -hmm. We're good at talking about that. We talk it to each other all the time. All the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting to be there with you all. Thank you very much. Oh, for sure. Thank you. Um, Suzanne, you've been working with Enneagram for a long, long time. Yep. How long have you been doing this? listening for a long long time (laughs) yes i get daily tutoring in my number so that's why he's so holy (laughs) yep that's right yeah i sometimes worry about laura because i will like freak out about a subject and then i never stop talking about it and every now and then i look at her face and i'm like oh I'm boring you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to talk about this anymore. And inside, I'm like, but it's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you guys never do that with each other, right? Never. No. Not at all. So you guys are an eight and a seven. Is that right? Do yep. I remember yep. that correctly? Yep. Yeah. I'm an eight. Right. With like a seven. Yeah, I'm the challenger. What well, I mean, of course, everyone knows this. I'm the challenger. Yeah. Yeah. Or the boss. Laura knows that you're the boss. Are you He's think the boss? You are. He's the head right. lawyer. Right. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. I tell you what, for, tell you listen, what, I am the boss. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just about ruined our marriage and our parenting by mm. trying to be the boss of everything. I'm yeah. telling you, it was the worst. The worst thing I could do for our marriage is be right all the time. And I honestly... It sounds naive. I believed internally that I was right and I was doing the right thing and this was the best way for our family. And I was a bull in a china shop. I was a drill sergeant. I was a jail warden and I was ruining my marriage and my kids. And I'm telling you, getting into therapy and having someone go, who cares if you're right? You're all by yourself. You're right over there alone and you're pushing your family away. And it was like, what? I am. And 
having that epiphany that it really was me was I was so sad and it meant that for it to work, I would have to be the one that changed. I really, honestly, in our marriage, I had to change so much more than Laura. So much more. It drives me crazy because I always think I'm right. Yeah. But I needed to change, and it has been the greatest thing to be on the same page with her, to be able to ask her, how are the kids today? What do they need from me? How can I be the best dad they need? Because Laura's with the kids all the time. I'm in my office. I'm working in other offices. And to get rid of my big, bloated, fat ego and have Laura on the way home and I'm driving home be like, hey, when you get home, you got to cool it way down. Yeah. Like, no coming in hot. We need lots of hugs and loves. We don't we need, need a boss today. We need soft voices. And it's like, okay. And then the result, because there's so many type A rebel parents out there. There's so many people like me. The results are, um, like, well, here's what I want. I want to be successful. Sure. And I thought I could be successful by being right. But I'm most successful when I ask how I need to be, and yeah, that and I, has been great. I, you know, I I just think there are more. There's more than one way to be right, and there's more how than one you. way to see things. And <laughs> mm-hmm. every personality type needs a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. So if you bring the same bossy, seeing things through one lens mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. to any relationship then there are going to be problems. I say about eights when you're absolutely positively sure that you're right. You're probably wrong. Yes. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's so true. Yeah. So for those that are new to the Enneagram, can you describe just, just let's get a general overview of Enneagram and then talk about how it works so brilliantly in marriage. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there are nine ways of seeing. That's it. And the assumption is that when we look at the same thing, we all see the same thing. Mm, And that's absolutely not true. It's our internal narrative. I have a narrative and other narratives don't exist. What do you mean you don't put towels in the same place in the same spot every single time? What do you mean there's not a place for everything and everything in its place? What? Because that's what's in my brain and it's such a brand new thing to go wait other people see things differently right how right yeah Mm. and they see Mm. everything differently so there are Mm. three really important levels and they are how you take in information how you process the information you've taken in Mm -hmm. and what you're leaving out in that process Hmm. Ooh. so of the three centers of intelligence thinking feeling and doing You are seeing, receiving information from the culture based on which of the three centers is dominant for you. So you either, anytime anything happens, you you respond first with either what do I think, what do I feel, or what am I going to do? That makes sense. I mean, if you look at a playground. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. So Joe and I look at life, and (laughs) he takes in information with, I take it in with doing. I walk into a situation, and the first thing, what needs to be done here? Mm. And I take it in with feelings. Mm. So I take it in with what I think. I'm going to give the full. (laughs) No. No, doing. 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 You're doing. Doing for you. You take it in with what are you going to do? 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Laura takes it in with what do I think. Yeah. So among us, there's one person thinking. Should be mm-hmm. a great podcast with at least <laughs> one person thinking. It's all yes, I Yes, thank you. So let's look at the whole array of possibilities real quickly in terms sure. of how you see. Mm-hmm. So ones are uh, doing dominant. So they walk into a room with what needs to be done, but it's always based on what's wrong. Hmm. Right. Yes. That's how they see. Right. Twos walk into a room with what do I feel? And what they feel is never their own feelings. They Mm. pick up feelings of other people. Yep. So Hmm. it's really difficult for twos to know what they feel. Mm -hmm. Mm. Threes are both feeling dominant and feeling repressed. So they walk in a room with, what do I feel? And they get a read for everything. And then they move right on to doing and thinking and thinking and doing. Because feelings are messy and unpredictable and block efficiency and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And threes walk into a room and look for who's in charge, where the power is in the room, etc. Fours are doing dominant, but they chase shiny things. I mean, feeling dominant, but they chase shiny things. So fours walk into a room with what do I feel, but an average feeling doesn't suit them. Hmm. So they exacerbate feelings. So if they're sad, they want to be sadder. Mm. And if they're happy, they want to be happier. Mm. And they put their energy into that. Hmm. When they walk into a room, they look for for uniqueness and intensity and usually a subset of people in the room. Not the group, but the little group Mm -hmm. that's on the side. Fours look for uniqueness and dress and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Fives walk into the room and they are thinking dominant. So their first response is, what do I think? But they're also, five, six, and sevens are also fearful. Hmm. So because of fear, they immediately start to manage their fear. And they manage their fear by gathering information. So five's reason for being out in the world and not at home is just for gathering information. Sure, sure. Sixes also come in with what do I think. But then they are scanning the horizon for danger. Mm -hmm. And anxiety takes over pretty quick. And they start making a plan for what they're going to do if. And that's exhausting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sevens come into a room. And generally, immediately, they're disappointed. (laughs) They're thinking dominant, but they've thought through what the room was going to be like and who was going to be there and what the refreshment setup was going to be. And it's already none of those things. So they stay present while thinking about the thing they're going to do next. Mm. Eights walk into a room. They want to know where the power is. If there's no leadership, they become the leadership. <laughs> and they're just looking for energy. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> and nines walk into the room, and they are doing dominant, but they're doing repressed. So they see what needs to be done, and then they think somebody should do that. Hmm. Mm. Uh-huh. And they're always doing something, but sometimes it's not what it needs to be done. Sure. So all those people walked into the same room. Right. 
and they all had a different experience based on Enneagram number and based on centers of intelligence Mm -hmm. and what order they're in thinking, feeling, and doing. Yeah. Hmm. To me, that's fascinating. And it's, it can open up a world of intimacy when you can start to see other people think differently than me. And it doesn't mean I'm better or worse. It doesn't mean they're better or worse. It's not about a good or a bad. It's just people think differently than I do. And we can accomplish more if we understand that people are thinking differently. It's not, mm. yeah, there's so much more intimacy available when you start seeing that there are other things out there besides Mm -hmm. the way that I think. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe it's probably because I'm an eight, but I always assume that I'm right and understanding that someone else also assumes they're right as well. And it doesn't mean either of us is right or wrong. We just assume that. And you just see differently. Yeah. Yeah. And it is an availability for intimacy, but it's also... It sets the table for connection and for disconnection. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, before we get into how valuable this is for marriage, have you guys noticed, like, would a certain number be um, leaning towards what came to my mind was, like, addictions? Mm. Like, yes. say, a f- I'm just saying, like, so a four. There, yeah, there's numbers that might have, you'd see a higher instance of depression and anxiety a higher instance of addiction, a higher instance of certain things. Are there general categories where you find more or less of certain things? Well, all of those things are are uh, available to any number, and mm-hmm. I guess we've seen all of them in all numbers. Okay. When I first learned the Enneagram, the traditional teaching is that the numbers that are most prone to addiction mm-hmm. are twos and sevens and nines. So that gets Joe and me and Joel, actually. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's true. Okay. I think sevens are the number that are most prone to addiction. And the reason for sevens is because if two's good, four would be better. Right, Laura? Exactly. Yep. And (laughs) he's laughing. We both have total addictive personalities. We've talked about on the on the air. I don't care. I don't care. Anybody knows. I go to AA because I have a full addictive personality. And what you said is right. If two is good, five must be better. It has to be right. That's why I've got eight with a leaning to seven and in there. And it's just the way that we think. And I look at other people that don't think that way, and I just think, wow, it's amazing. How do you not think that way? I have people that take their medications like regularly and never take too much and never take it too often. I just think that's insane. You'd never do that. It's mm. totally. Well, we happen to have somebody with us today. <laughs> that Who does that? Does the, exactly that. Mm. Like Joe's not excess is never. It's not in the vocabulary here. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things. Part of that though, I think is background. Yeah. Part of that is my history of the years I was in seminary and the years I was in the religious order, yeah. you know, yeah. every, you everything. You talk about that. Not everybody knows. I wanted to be a, a Catholic priest when I was very, very young. Mm. And when I entered seminary, most religious orders of priests had high school seminaries. So I, I went into seminary at 14 years old. Wow. Wow, really? And was then in the religious order that I belonged to until I was 40 when I chose to leave the priesthood and get married. So that's I'm his only girlfriend and first date, oh, first date and everything. So all of it is precious. Ah, oh, that's the best. So that's 26 years of a very structured, very ordered yes. life. 
Yep. Sure. That also has an influence on the fact that besides that, I'm a nine and I have a pretty strong one wing. So yeah. things are very orderly for me and kept mm -hmm. that way and mm -hmm. uh, pretty simple without too much excess in almost any area of my life. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I always introduce, introduce Joe, whether he's with me or not, when I'm on the road. And I introduce him as the best person I know. And that's absolutely the truth. I bet. He is the best person I know. He's good mm. all the way through. Aww. And I say, when I introduce him, and I'm not. And you know, nobody's ever argued with me. Oh, no. <laughs> like, nobody ever says... Oh, yes, you are. That When I say Joe is just good all the way through and I'm not, people who know us go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. They, they shake their heads. Yes. Kind of how yes, it is. Yes. Uh -huh. Right? I but know where you're I coming think from. It's easier to be good if you're nine or a withdrawing number than if you're an aggressive number, which you two are. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a dependent number, which I am. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. All the things that tempt us mm -hmm. are received differently depending on whether or not we're thinking, feeling, or doing sure. dominant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. well, so let's dive into marriage. Yeah. Uh, as you, I mean, because you've been doing this for decades and decades, Suzanne. How have you seen this change marriages where, you know, you'll see couples that just, here's the truth. Laura and I could not have been raised any differently. I was highly overparented and micromanaged. Laura was highly underparented and in a way neglected. We were doing a parenting seminar a couple weeks ago and we asked people to fill out a form. What are three things you struggle with in parenting? Number one, angry parenting. Parents that yell, parents that are angry, parents that are frustrated too easily. Number two, being on the same page with my spouse. And we crack up because it's so easy for us to talk about because we come from such drastically different backgrounds that our our view of discipline, our view of order and structure was so, so different. How have you seen Enneagram help marriages where it does feel like I just can't get on the same page with my spouse? I don't know where they are. We seem to be missing each other all the time. Mm. Why don't you answer that for us and then I'll talk about other numbers. Well, I think for me, it gives me an understanding of Suzanne. It gives me an understanding of because Enneagram number is determined by your motivation, mm. not by your behavior. So I know what motivates her to do the things that she does. Mm. And that helps me enormously to know that what she talked about a little while ago, when she walks into a room, she picks up on the feelings of everybody else in the room mm. uh, and is not so much aware of what her own feelings are. So it puts a greater responsibility on my part to try to be aware of what are her feelings mm. and not the feelings that she's catching from everybody else in those kinds of situations. Sure. And then knowing that and knowing my own personality type, I can help her approach me better. Here's an example of it. Yeah. Suzanne, I'm a nine, so nines tend to merge. Okay. We merge with whatever people ask of us and one of us tell us. And it's very simple. We just go along with other people. Mm -hmm. And they merge with any number, not just with aggressive with any numbers. Number. Any number. Yeah. So Suzanne's a two on the Enneagram and she would come to me and she would say things like, don't you think we should 
fix up the backyard. And I don't know whether I thought that we should fix up the backyard or not, but my immediate response to her always was to merge with her and say, oh yeah, okay, sure. Or don't you think we ought to touch up paint? Well, I hate to touch up paint, but I would, yeah, I think we ought to touch up paint and let's move the furniture. Or don't you think we should move the furniture? So I had to go to her one day and say, listen, stop saying, don't you think to me? Mm. Because as soon as you say that to me, I merge with you because I don't want conflict with you. Mm-hmm. And if you approach me with, what do you think? Then I might honestly share with you what I think about moving the furniture or touching up paint or something. Hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's a great question. And it's just a tiny shift that really does open, up, yeah. open the door to hearing the other person. What do you think about working on the backyard? What do you think about doing some painting? What do you think about, you know, rearranging furniture? And then it also gives you the responsibility or the opportunity to go, I don't know. Sure. I, I hadn't thought about it until you brought it to me. Let me sit there and think about it for a while, right? Yeah. What do I think about the backyard? What does that mean for us? Yeah. And then if I merge and go ahead and do those things with her, mm-hmm. then that's because I've chosen to do them and I've had some say in, well, I think we could put this off or we ought to do it today or whatever. There, there's some participation rather than to go in it and be passive aggressive. I'm going to get this done, but I really didn't want to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that puts out enough energy that the other person knows that you didn't want to do it. It's like Mm -hmm. the fact that you don't say it doesn't mean that you don't communicate it, right? Right? For sure. Especially in marriage. What? (laughs) Yeah. If you're not careful with nines, they go along to get along. Yeah. And more importantly than they then might be passive aggressive or whatever is that they, over time lose their ability to know what they want. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. 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 So, and it takes time to wait for them to know what they want. Right. Right? That was a new one for me, though. It's interesting that you said that, that we communicate things even if we're not saying it. Yep. You yep. know, I would ask Laura, is everything okay? And she'd go, yeah, it's fine. And I'd be yeah. like, well, then I must be crazy because it's clearly not fine. All I'm getting is the not fine vibe from you. I walk in the room and it's clearly not fine. But I keep asking and you keep telling me, no, everything's fine. I'm like, then I'm then I'm an insane person. I must be crazy. And we really had to learn she I and the truth was I needed to be safer for her. I needed to be a safe person to go, nope, it's not fine. And this is what I'm feeling and thinking, and I had to be okay with it. I had to be able to sit with not fine. Mm-hmm. I had to be able to sit with complaints or changes or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I think fine is the clue. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Anytime your partner or your spouse responds with fine, then you know something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What does fine stand for? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic? And emotional. And emotional. Yeah. 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 Nothing good. Nothing good is fine. I do want to say there's a lot of people watching right now. And if you've got specific questions you want to ask, Please do so, and then at the end, I will go back through questions and do a Q&A with Suzanne and Joe about Enneagram stuff. There's lots of people around the country that are like, beep, 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 beep. So, yeah, yeah right. hit up your questions in the comment section. We will see them, and then we'll do Q&A at the end. Mm, right. Yeah. So let's talk about you. Okay. There is somewhat of a gender bias against female eights that doesn't exist with male eights. Mm, I, of course. Yes, I could see that. Yeah. And assertive versus bitchy. 
Yep. Did yeah. you just say that? I can say that, right? You can say that. Yes, sure. well, you have to say yeah, that because no other word would work. It That's doesn't, right? Word. Yeah. No, it's no. the word. Totally. So the reality with that is that a withdrawing number, a four, five, or a nine, or a two male might marry an eight female mm. or male or eight. And that feels pretty good early on to have somebody else making all the decisions. You know, we're going to do this, and I've got this, and I'm going to handle this, and I'm going to do this. And that feels good until it doesn't. Yeah. Until it stops working. Right. And then when it doesn't Mm. feel good anymore, it's like, why are you so bossy? Why do you make all the decisions? Why are you in charge all the time? And the answer is you didn't offer anything. Mm. If you wanted to make decisions, why didn't you step up and make one, right? Yep. And that's a disconnect later in like year two or three or four. It's very, very difficult to overcome. Sure. So let's talk about sevens for a minute. Because let's just be honest, I for sure fall into that category. If there is a group decision to be made and the group is waffling, I will a hundred, I don't know about any more, but historically, then I'll make the decision. I don't have any problem making a decision because in my mind, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right anyway. So if there's a bunch of waffling going on or lots of discussion, I just tend to keep, well, then we're going to go this way. You know, We've got all these options to discuss. Well, then Here's the way we're going to go. Yeah, I definitely have taken that role most of my life, for sure. And people like to follow you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's easy. We'll go that way. That sounds like a good idea. Well, and, And the response is, well, you seem like you know what you're doing. You seem like you're right. And it's like, because I am right. That's my belief in my brain. And so people are like, we want to follow someone with clear uh, belief right. systems, and I'm like, oh, I'm for sure clear in my my belief systems. As long as you're a male, as long as you're a male. Mm. But female eights with all those same gifts, people try to take them out. Yeah, I can totally yeah, see that for big sure. Problem. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do a thumbnail sketch. Can if I ask a question? Do- sure. I don't mean this misogynistically at all. Is it more likely males try to take out female eights? Than females trying to take out female eights, or is it kind of across the board? No one, not no one likes a female eight, and it's more difficult for a female eight across the board. It's more difficult for a female eight across the board. Males and females try to take her out, and it's for sure more females than males. Mm. Oh, yeah, males sometimes have enough on board themselves. To respect female eggs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I was just talking wow. about this. I go to a CrossFit gym, which is a mixture of gymnastic uh, movements and functional movements and Olympic lifting. And two of the three coaches are female. And we start a brand new Olympic lifting series next Friday night. It goes for 12 weeks. And I'm signed up for it. And it's a female Olympic lifting coach that's coming in. And I was excited that as many men signed up for it as did, because I was like, finally, we're getting to a place where nobody cares. Like, this woman is a brilliant coach. I follow her online. She is so smart. But I do know, in the 80s, had you got into a gym as a woman Olympic lifter trying to teach men, it would have been laughable. And I was so excited that it doesn't seem... 
generally it doesn't seem to bother people anymore. We like to be taught by those who are experts and she's clearly an expert. And I still think female eights have a hard time and that's a bummer. Yeah. It's most misunderstood number on the Enneagram. Hmm. Makes fours very sad, but eights are the most misunderstood number on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about sevens for a minute. Once we get a thumbnail sketch of everybody, then we can answer, do Q and A, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So sevens are really good in the beginning of a relationship. Things get a little sticky in the middle when commitment's kind of on the table. Once they're committed, they're generally all in. And endings are devastating. Mm. Not hard and not sad, but devastating. And to be in a relationship, an intimate relationship with a seven... The greatest challenge is that sevens reframe every negative into a positive in real time. Say that one more time. Sevens reframe every negative into a positive in real time. So here's what that means. If you, going into Christmas, talk to Laura about Thanksgiving, she wasn't at the same Thanksgiving that you were at. She reframed everything negative that happened at Thanksgiving into a positive. And so when you all start to talk about the last holiday, which was only four weeks ago, Mm -hmm. it's not the same discussion because sevens don't have the same memories of things that the rest of us do. Mm. Hmm. And that's tricky. But that, I mean, on one hand, it's a huge gift because you can reframe any trauma or addictions or depressions or even the devastation of a breakup or things of that nature or a divorce you can reframe it very quickly and you do yeah i guess you do yeah i do personally and it's uh it's okay in a sense Mm. but it's never safe because when you come on the first thing in life that you can't reframe all the other things that you reframed are waiting for you Mm. Hmm. And they fall like dominoes. Hmm. So everything that you haven't grieved is waiting for you. Yep. And Joe sees it all the time as a pastor in congregational care. Yeah. Sure. And then when that top one falls, then they all start to fall after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then sevens that I experience then go into deep depression and and sadness Hmm. because they haven't dealt with them all beforehand so it's just overwhelming yeah is that reframing a pain avoidance or is it just a natural thing no 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 it's avoiding pain but they've been avoiding pain since they were children Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. their need is to avoid pain (laughs) (laughs) so they do that with reframing and with defense mechanisms for sure that's why they lean towards addiction more yep Prevalent. Yeah. 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 Works. It works until it doesn't. doesn't. But then sevens are also very committed to the opposite extreme, which is denying yourself and really hard work and sticking with the program and doing what you're supposed to do. So fours and sevens don't like to live in the middle. And sevens are put together in a way that they can kind of stay over in the happy side. But fours are put together in a way that they can experience joy, but actually sadness is a little more 
in line with how they see the world and how they see themselves in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as children, you can't tell fours and sevens apart. Okay. Okay. Because they're both looking for the extremes. So would you say did you say earlier that sevens have a harder time going to the program and doing the hard work and digging into therapy? Or they don't have they're in, they're all in. (laughs) Yep. Once they're in, they're all in because it's an extreme pattern of behavior to counter an extreme pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then there's there's a ton of room for enlightenment and growth in that, in getting right. into the therapy. There's a big opportunity for growth. And, you know, that's interesting for Laura and I because we've both been to so – we believe in therapy. We believe in counseling. We believe in coaching. We've both been to so much of it. And it can be unsettling at times because both of us have made drastic changes in our life in the 15 years, yeah, 15 years we've been married. And so there have been times where it's like, I don't know you anymore. You're a new person. You used to be like this, and now you're like this. Mm -hmm. And I I married this person, and I'm used to this person, but I believe in marriage forever, and now I'm married to this person. Now i got to get used to a new person in the home, and I know Laura's had to do that with me. I remember coming back from a month-long intensive and not relating or responding the way I had always done. And it was highly frustrating. And I would have to say, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. And to Laura's grace and beauty, she took to it. She'd be like, oh, that's right. Okay. I know that this is the way I've been. I know that I've always responded this way. I know you're expecting, for me, I know you're expecting the blowups and the anger and the raised voices and the intensity. And I'm sorry that I've been that way for so long. I'm not that guy anymore. Mm. Right. But it's unfamiliar. It's scary when you've been with someone that's the same way all the time, even if it is, you know, raised voices and intensity and anger, to then have someone that won't respond that way. That's unsettling. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is unsettling. But for sevens, when there's a challenge, things are more interesting. For sure. They're just more interesting. (laughs) They don't back up from that, right? Yeah. They're just more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There are so many people watching. Yeah. You have absolutely hit a nerve. People are <laughs> are fascinated by these topics and subjects. I love mm-hmm. it. Love it so much. Mm. All right, sixes. Okay. Uh, thumbnail sketch would be sixes are the most concerned about the common good mm. of all the numbers. Sixes are willing to do the things that don't have an audience. The things that contribute but are often unnoticed. Mm. However, sixes don't trust themselves. And you usually see the world the way you see, you think everybody's the way you are, right? You ascribe to the world the way you see. Mm -hmm. And so sixes doubt themselves so they think other people doubt themselves too. Sixes don't trust their own decision making so they think other people don't trust their decision making either. So what happens then with that is there's an awful lot of, do you still love me today? Are we good? Are we going to be here tomorrow? And is everything going to work out? And all all of that kind of talk, which is fine with some numbers. But but other numbers, numbers, it's like a black hole. With some numbers, they don't, it feels like you want, you don't trust me. Why don't you trust me? Yep. Mm -hmm. What's wrong that you don't trust me? Right. All that. For sure. Um, a lot of people are married to sixes and they are, 
I think there are more sixes than any other number. I was and, gonna, I was just yeah. going to ask that. Are there numbers <laughs> that are more prevalent than what? There are unique numbers and then there are common numbers. Very interesting. All right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think there are more sixes than any other number, and after that, I think there are more nines. Mm. And there are fewer fours now, than any other number. Do you find that to be true in other countries? Is that American Central or Western Central? Do you, would you find that in like Eastern Europe? Would you find that in different countries in Asia? I think you would find it globally, but the expressions mm. of the number would be different in different countries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So sixes are, um, they like to have a full schedule that's planned and, and they don't ever get everything done they were going to do in the day and. They're probably overprotective as parents. They're be careful parents. Mm. You know, every number has a passion in there or a sin, and their sin is fear. Mm-hmm. And so they overdo, don't talk to strangers and, you know, lock the doors and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fives, fives. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit tricky. Okay. So I want to be very careful how I talk about this. Eights have the most energy of any number on the Enneagram. Nines have the least energy of all the numbers in the Enneagram. And the reason they do is because they're boundaried internally and externally. Mm. Hmm. So you spend your day trying to keep out anything that would steal your peace and trying to keep in anything that would cause trouble. Exactly. Hmm. Do a good job of it. And he's really good at it, but it's tiring. It's wearing it's me very, out. Very, very sure. Tiring. Sure, right? sure, sure. But fives have a measured amount of energy every day. They have this much. So would you find more like ADHD temperaments in the eights than you would others? No, I'm okay. going to talk to you about that all right. later. Okay. Back if that's to okay with you. Of course. Yeah. Is that all right with you? Yeah, all yeah. Right. So here you go. Fives have a measured amount of energy every day. Mm. And it's like manna. You can't store up. Every contact you have with another human, every... Every handshake, every conversation, every phone call, every tweet, every Mm. Facebook encounter. Mm -hmm. Everything costs. And the goal for a five is to get home before they run out of energy because the vulnerability of no energy is excruciating. Sure. Sure. So let's take a five married to or partnered with misaffectionate me. Hmm. I'm a toucher. I'm very affectionate. I'm very curious about your day and what happened and who you were with and what they say and what you say. So I will come back and do couples later, but I just want you to be mindful Mm -hmm. that it is more brave for a five to show up for an intimate relationship than any of the other numbers Mm -hmm. because it costs them everything. Sure. And you could have someone that finally gets home to their safe space. And Tell me what number you are again, Suzanne. I'm a two. A two. Right. Comes home to you, and now you want to discuss all those encounters and relationships and situations, and that's exhausting to even relive for that mm-hmm. five. They've already used up all the energy they've got, and now you want to go back and relive all the encounters in which they protected themselves and measured out the energy a little bit more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could have a five that comes home and is like, Burp, shut off, right? Mm-hmm. Just Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we'll probably get questions about that. But then the, the thing would be you let a five have some space when they get home, but fives have to discipline themselves to take 
sometime, but not all of the evening. Sure. Right? Hmm. I just want to say, if you shut off that two when you come home, the two needs to be relational. Yeah. Needs to have that contact. Mm-hmm. Wants to process what's it, what he or she's been going through through the day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that opportunity, then you've disconnected both of them mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Fours. Fours are all about relationships. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing to them. And because of that, they want too much from relationships. Mm. And fours are the most complex of all numbers. So what you see is never what you get. There's always 10 layers beneath that. Mm. And their great desire is to be seen and known and understood. They're emotional and intense. And the reality for fours is this. You know, over three-month period, I'm I'm just happy. Like, I, I'm crazy about this human being. <laughs> crazy in love with him. And we've been together for 30, almost 33 years. And our children are here. And we have nine grandchildren, and they all live in this area. Wow. So I get my people, 19 of us, all right here. And I get to do work that I love that's meaningful and makes people's lives better. So I'm happy most of the time. Mm-hmm. But over a three-month period, sometimes I'm just a little sad. And I often have no idea why. I'm just three or four days I'm sad. And then same period of time for three or four days, I may just be over the moon. Mm. So the reason I'm laying that out for you that way is so that I can tell you this. Fours experience that mood change and that mood swing about 10 times an hour. Hmm. And even they don't know what feeling to grab as the feelings roll by. Mm. I bet. So sometimes they grab the wrong feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they try to play that out and it doesn't work. And they are just complex. Sure. And so it's interesting because... I think everything has its opposite, as all paradox would teach us. And what happens with fours is that they want you to bring out the deepest parts of them, but they go after the deepest part of you. Mm -hmm. Like they come get the part of you that is so beautiful because nobody else has seen it or heard it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a thing. It's intense Mm -hmm. and it's good and it's challenging mm-hmm. with a four that could be a little exhausting depending on the type that you are having someone go oh this is very unique about you and no one ever notices this and it's like i don't know if i want someone else to notice this this is a lot you know that yeah. could be a little yeah. overwhelming mm. yes mm-hmm. absolutely fours are the only number on the enneagram that can bear witness to pain without having to fix it hmm. now the problem with that is they can bear witness to their own pain without having to fix it mm. wow very interesting. I wonder how many therapists are fours. Well, I'd say not that many, maybe. Yeah, I think it'd be average. I think average. every number has. Yeah. Threes are the beautiful people. They're the trendy people and they're goal setters. They have short-term goals and long-term goals and they're all about them. Mm-hmm. And they have a picture book idea of what a relationship is going to be like. 
And, of course, it never is. So that's problematic. And they care a lot about how other people see them and see their relationships and see their children and see their life. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be workaholics, so they give an awful lot at work. And sometimes, this is the best way for me to say it, sometimes with threes who haven't learned about themselves and who haven't heard language that helps them, sometimes they do relationships instead of enter into relationships. Mm, Yep. And there's a significant difference. Sure. Sure. They're essentially following rules, right? Well, or they're just like, if their partner says, I want more time, then they put that on their to-do list. Exactly. So it's not intuitive. It's perfunctory. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, doing instead of being with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smart. Twos, the absolute best number to oh, be sure. in relationship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For so sure. Really would choose another number. No. <laughs> For twos, relationships are so important. They probably give too much. They pick up on everybody's feelings. Hmm. So they make their way through the day doing what they think you want based on what they're picking up from your feelings. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They don't have any boundaries. Zero. Zero boundaries. And twos in intimate relationships often give too much somewhere else in order to get appreciation and to be wanted mm-hmm. and take for granted the love they have at home. So they're like the perfect codependent. Yes. In fact, I did my year in doing 12-step work as a codependent. Mm. Uh, ongoing years, but I mean, I put in a big year. Yeah. 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 We hear you. And so here's my response to you bringing that up, Laura. <laughs> my response is, why would God perfectly gift someone for something that's bad, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. sort of facetious, but I have every necessary gift to be codependent, all of them. Mm. Like I have all of them. Yep. And Hmm. I love my husband and my children with all my heart. And honestly, I could have destroyed the lives of two of my four children Mm. being codependent. Mm. And then I started doing 12 step work and that all stopped. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yep. that's very tricky. Mm. Very, very tricky. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would say that there's a good chance that twos and fours would tend in the low side of or the su- semi unhealthy side of their number to be the most fragile and the most mm. dependent people mm-hmm. in relationships. Okay. Are there certain numbers that would benefit more from therapy than others? I mean, I know everyone no. can benefit from therapy, but there are certain ones that don't understand what they're feeling and need to process with somebody so they can learn those. Like, are there ones that will, I don't, I don't know, need it more than others? Well, it would depend on the kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. Joe and I believe everybody needs a therapist. Everybody needs a spiritual director. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> Amen. And when people say, well, I don't think I need therapy, we say, well, you're going to. So go get yourself one now right? because yeah. the worst time to go to therapy is when, is you, when need, you desperately need a therapist. When you need one, right? for sure. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah, just like for your marriage, we believe that you do 
maybe it be one thing a month for your marriage or one thing a Absolutely. year for your marriage. Yeah. You go get an oil change, go work on your marriage. Yeah. That's right. Don't wait that's till right. it's too late. Yeah. Don't, I mean, there's clearly, by the way, that's the weird one too. It's like tuning your car, tuning your marriage. I mean, wouldn't you want it to be better? Wouldn't you want more sex? Wouldn't you want more intimacy? Sure. Wouldn't you want more love? Wouldn't you want a deeper relationship? You can have all those things. Like you can legitimately have mm-hmm. all those things if you're willing to go in and do the work. Just don't yeah. wait till it's too, don't wait until you're so sick of the person you're with that you're like, I don't know if I want to do the work anymore. I'm kind of sick of you. I'm kind of tired of all this. I think I'm too tired to do the work. Don't wait till then. Yeah. Get into it now. And you know what? I will just say two other things about twos. One is twos can only process verbally. Hmm. Ooh. Over and over. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah, Joe. And, over. <laughs> and then once again, in case you didn't get it. <laughs> and so... Twos can't think things through. So it's such a good combination for Joe and I as a two and a nine, because, you know, nines only hear two-thirds of everything that's said. I just figured nines out a two in my a life. Third. Sorry. Oh. Nines miss one-third. One-third. I really, like, you know, not 33.333%, yeah. but I'm convinced that nines miss about a third of what's being said. And so it's perfect for us because while I'm verbally processing, Joe's only listening to two-thirds of it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and the trick with nines is they don't glaze over when they're uh, not listening to you. Mm. Like they look at you, like Joe's looking at me now, just like they're listening to you, but they're not. <laughs> and they even have a head thing they do. They kind of go, uh-huh. and they don't even know what you're talking about. It's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. The other thing I would say is that I think once twos are committed to a relationship, there is a tendency to believe that they're going to lose it, mm-hmm. that they're just not going to be enough. I just figured out a two in my life, and that is mine. Like, I'm not saying who it is, but my mind is going <laughs> right now. Like, everything you just said, it was like, oh. <gasps> It makes so much sense. It makes so Mm. much sense. I mean, the last thing you just said, if they think they're going to lose the relationship, I'm just like, oh, Mm. because there's what you said. And for those that are joining us now online, this is motivators. This is what people are motivated motivated by. You know, I'm not saying it the exact way that you did. I'm botching this part of it, but figuring out what motivates a person is very, very interesting. And having that as a motivators is very eye-opening in relationships. Very, oof. That and how you see. Yeah, that's yes. what you were sa- you I was going to say. Right? How you see the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yep, how you yep. see yourself in the world, mm-hmm. too. Right, right. Hmm. Two more things I just want to say about that. Twos give their power away to other people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so then I'm only good if you think I'm good. Yeah. Right? And if you don't think I'm good and if you don't love me today, then I don't have value. And remember, twos are feeling other people's feelings, not their own. Hmm. So when I feel Joe's feelings, I try to interpret them and fix them. And he don't want help. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, he feels like he can really handle that all, all by himself. All right, let's talk about ones. Yep. Um, ones also have an internal critic. <laughs> 
and it's constant. They have a voice that is constantly criticizing them. They've had it since they were little bitty. Lots of them don't even hear it. Like they don't register that they're hearing it because it's so constant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it never gives you an atta girl. It's always bad. Yeah. Why would you? And it sounds like your second grade teacher or your mom. Why would you do that? You know better than that. Mm-hmm. How? Why would you say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's happening all the time in the head of a one. Hmm. And when you're being criticized all the time, the only way you can make the playing field level is by finding fault in other people. Oh. So silo that and then step over just a little bit. And the way ones see is when they walk into a room, they always see what's wrong. So you put Always being able to see what's wrong and trying to level the playing field because there's this third party in your relationship that is the one's critic. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's tricky. Mm. Very tricky. Yeah, they could come across arrogant. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Correct. Always right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That stuff. And they yeah. probably most of the time are intuitively right, I would say, but I don't know. Nah, no. I think they over, overcorrect, over, over, over. Yeah. They're the perfectionist. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But you know what happens then when you are perfecting things is being good is righteous. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're doing the right thing from a place of righteousness, which is very hard to get around. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say one more thing real fast okay. and then we'll do whatever you want to do. Sure. Since it's your podcast. <laughs> well, I want to say this. Twos, threes, and fours are in the feeling triad. Twos struggle to know what their own feelings are. Threes set feelings aside. Fours want to exacerbate feelings. Mm. Five, sixes, and sevens are in the fear triad. And fives try to manage their fear with gathering information. Sixes manage their fear with worst-case scenario planning. And sevens manage their fear with a smokescreen of activity. And eights, nines, and ones are in the anger triad. How dare you. And so they convert other emotions into eights, eights, convert other emotions into anger. Mm. And when an eight's angry with you, you know it. It's straight up anger. Yep. Everybody knows it. And then it's over. And they go on with life and they're not taking that with them, even though you're left with it. With it. Yeah, they forget about it. Right. Nine anger is passive aggressive. Okay. And one anger is resentment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's because ones turn their anger in on themselves. Selves, first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, those things really play into relationships. All that I just said really plays into relationships. Oh, for sure. Mm. For sure. Yes, that was, I'm just going to go from personal experience. I do anger better than other emotions. And I, what the biggest thing, when Laura was going through uh, two bouts of cancer, I had to go to therapy to learn how to be able to sit with sadness as an emotion. I had to learn because if I can turn it into anger, I will get adrenaline and then it will allow me to do more. 
I can do more if I'm mad. I can do more work. I can buckle down. I can put one foot in front of the other, Mm. and I'll just anger my way through it. And over time, then you turn everything into anger because it allows you to do more. Mm. You know, when in doubt, work harder. (laughs) And my therapist, Sam, brought it up to me. You have to learn how to be sad. Mm. You've got to learn to sit with it and just to be okay with sadness. And I remember telling him I was, I had been to lots of doctors before and I go, I'm really, really sad. And they go, okay. And they write a little thing on their script and I take it to a pharmacist and then I'm not sad anymore. And I went to Sam and I go, I'm sad all the time. And he goes, really? Why? And I was like, what? (laughs) Who cares? Fix it. Yeah. 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 And he'd go, why are you sad? And I say, well, Laura's in chemo and she's in pain all the time and I can't do anything about it and it makes me sad. And he goes, oh, that's a really good reason to be sad. You should definitely be sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so (laughs) angry that he wanted me to (laughs) But he was right. Of course you're sad. Of course you should be sad. How can you learn to just be Mm. okay with that? Mm. Yeah. So here this will answer your question earlier. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not a doctor. I have no right to say this, except that I'm pretty sure I'm right. Mm-hmm. I think our children are overdiagnosed. I'm all for medication for children when it's needed. One of our four needed medication, and we took care of it. Mm-hmm. But you ask a question about ADD, and I want to run through that real quick and just tell you yeah. that I think children and adults who are ones on the Enneagram are often diagnosed as obsessive compulsive. Oh, yeah. I think fours are often diagnosed as bipolar light. Right. Fives, an introverted five is likely to be questioned or considered potentially on the spectrum. Mm. Huh. Okay. Sevens, ADHD. Eights, oppositional defiant. <laughs> and nines, ADD. Because nines are so easily distracted. Yeah. Now, all of those things could be true and more often than not are not true. And nobody can assess that except professionals. Yes. Sure. But it's a thing. And those are the numbers that are associated with mm-hmm. it the most, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you guys seeing that's most helpful in marriage when people get clear about their number? I think for me, the most helpful thing is when I understand myself and I understand my number, I understand of thinking, feeling, and doing because which one is repressed for me. Mm. The healthiest thing I can do for my relationship is to bring up that part of my life that is repressed Mm. and to then really work at strive at being as healthy as I can be in that number and, and being aware of the messages of life that I've received mm. somewhere along the line yeah. that my presence doesn't matter. And it's not okay to assert myself as a nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to become aware that my presence matters tremendously right here in this relationship. Mm. And it matters there and it matters to the children. It matters Mm. to my grandchildren. And ultimately, then I have an influence where it matters 
to people who I serve and minister to in the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that there are times when it, it is important for me because of years and wisdom and experience to assert myself mm. and to take that opportunity. That usually comes, I think, with bringing up that which is repressed in me. Yeah. Hmm. I want you to talk about, too, I want you to answer that from the perspective of a pastor hmm. who works with engaged couples and Ooh. couples who are having trouble in marriage hmm. and yeah. all that. Yes. So answer it bigger, too. Well, I think the bigger thing is I encourage all of the couples that I prepare for marriage to learn the Enneagram mm-hmm. and to take that opportunity from the beginning of their marriage yeah. to have a deep understanding of one another. It would save them so much trouble. Oh, for sure. Further on down the line. Oh, yeah. uh, if they just had that picture and that window and perspective of the difference between them and their spouse yep. going into the relationship. So I strongly urge and encourage young people who are engaged when they come to me to start planning for getting weddings, to see to it that they explore the opportunities that the Enneagram has to give to them. Mm -hmm. You also assign my books a lot to Uh, couples who are having trouble. When couples are having trouble in their marriage, in my office, I'll hand them Suzanne's CDs for Know Your Number. Or I'll give them the book, The Road Back to You, mm-hmm. and say, read this yeah. and discover. So and good. when they do, and it's very healthy if I'm talking just to one person in a relationship to be able to say, here, why don't you read this Road Back to You and find your number. Mm-hmm. And then when you find yourself, let's say you're a two on the Enneagram, just take the book to your husband and hand it to him. Just have him read chapters on twos, mm, yeah. nothing else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To say, I'd love you to read this because you'll maybe you'll understand me uh, just a little better and a little differently. And I guarantee he'll recognize you, and then he'll want to read the rest of the book, find out what number he is. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And then you're off and running, and yeah. you're on the road to a much healthier relationship. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. So I would just add, and then I, I would say that when you know what your partner's loss message is or when you know what they need to hear, Mm -hmm. when you know what their healing message would be. So Joe's healing message is your presence matters. Yeah. So 32 plus years we've been together. Every single day, if I'm in town, that Joe leaves to go to the church or to the hospital or to his office, Mm -hmm. I come up with a reason why he should stay home with me. <laughs> That's cute. And they're very silly reasons. Like if I cut my leg shaving, I'll say, you know, I, I'm feeling a little woozy from this blood loss and I need you to stay home with me today. Mm. Or I'll mm. say, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little bit lightheaded. I, gosh, I, I wonder if you should just hang around for a little bit. <laughs> or I'll say, you know, I've been thinking about making homemade cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. I could... Make them this morning if you had time to stay. You can stay. And it's so silly, but you don't ever, ever, yeah. ever think yeah. that your presence doesn't matter to me and that I true. wouldn't rather spend the day with you. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. We are 72 and 69, and I am the emoji queen. <laughs> I love I it. I send them all day long. Uh, it's fantastic. I had a question Again, with the there's no other frame of reference than the one I have, I needed, because my go-to is do, when in doubt, do more, 
the breakthroughs in my therapy was learning a way of being, how to be, not go back to work. Are there numbers that need more in the doing? Are there numbers that struggle with the mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. and when they go through therapy or when they go into coaching or in, in Enneagram training that they're like, oh, I need to do more. You know, I'm doing a lot of thinking and feeling, but I'm not doing enough. Mm. Yeah. So doing repressed are four, five, nine. Okay. So fours do the things that they love to do, but they don't always get the day-to-day -day stuff done. Okay. Yeah. Fives would rather plan than do. Mm. So planning to do feels like doing to them. <laughs> <laughs> and nines are doing something all the time, but it's frequently not what needs to be done because they can't prioritize. Mm -hmm. okay. I had a question from someone watching. It's interesting. I have a tendency to fold my arms when I'm thinking a lot. And they were saying, one, do eights tend to fold their arms more? But I've tried over the years to learn when I'm on the program to not fold my arms because it's verbally closing off or a protection mm -hmm. thing. And so I try to sit without, I've been doing it a ton today, but I try to sit without folding my arms. Is that a visual cue of certain numbers? I think it's a visual note to others. Mm -hmm. When you fold your arms that you're closing up, but I've done this podcast thing a lot, my own self, mm -hmm. and we need to not be judged for anything we do on a podcast because you have to sit and you have to stay close to the microphone and you can't, if you use your hands, it hits something and you can't reach anything and it's a long time. Yeah. And so people can't read us on a podcast and know whether we're open or closed or that, sure. that's off limits. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand yeah. that. I, you have to train yourself to be a certain way on a podcast, yeah. especially a visual yep. one. We're getting ready to change our set. Laura and I used to sit at my desk together and yeah. we were watching some of the old shows and it was like, oh, that was so fun. Like these are cool chairs. I like the cool yeah. chairs, but it keeps us a little bit far apart. And so we just got new chairs and we're getting a little table so we can sit closer together on yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good plan. I do think though that in a marriage after a while, you get to read one another's body language very, very well. Sure. Yes. Sure. And I know Suzanne certainly does with me. I mean, if, if I'm sitting in a chair and raising my foot up and down, that means something. It means trouble. <laughs> yeah. That means no. Okay. That means okay. no. For those that are married to eights or anyone, any of the numbers that tend to turn most emotions into anger, because that's my go-to. And for me, is a conscious effort to feel myself being angry and then having to ask myself, are you really mad or is there something else going on and this is easier for you? So for those like Laura or anyone married to someone that turns their emotions into anger, are there things they can do or ways to be that helps their eights or the other number be more open to feeling their own emotions and not turning it into anger? Yeah. So... You know, every number has a sin associated with okay. it. Yours is lust and one's is anger. So you talk about anger a lot because you are 
intense. Mm. And at the same time that your passion is lust and that you're intense, you also are in the anger triad. Mm. And anger is an easy access emotion for you. Right. And it helps hide your softer side. Mm-hmm. And it's how you protect yourself when you feel vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that was a good thing for us to look at as a question because there are a lot of things involved in that. Not just your Enneagram number. Right. Yeah. It's your Enneagram number and your sin and how you manage that. And, and, and. Yep. Mm. And I, I'm happy that so many people are interested in the Enneagram. Mm. I think that's really great. But everything has two sides. And the Enneagram is deceptively simple, and it would be a shame to take an online test of any kind, think you know your number. It would really be a shame to take a test and think that you know your number and your dominant wing and your subtype because, no, you don't know all that from a test. That's not true. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. then you miss out on two real important things. You stay in information, so your information never becomes knowledge and your knowledge never becomes wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And the second thing is when you th- take a test and think you've got this all packaged up, mm-hmm. then you're cheating yourself out of the journey. Right. And the Enneagram journey is transformative if you let it be. Mm-hmm. But it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, I think that's so good for our listeners to hear that. Like just to, you can sit on it and learn and soak in it. It's a journey. It's a process. I mean, even I'm thinking from the last time we interviewed you to this time, I mean, my brain is still just like. (sighs) Yep, definitely. (laughs) Whoa. Just seeing new things, hearing. I'm hearing it differently. I'm seeing it differently. Of course, I'm thinking. Sure. Of course. (laughs) All the things I'm well, thinking well, of. I think Laura's right, though. As you learn and grow over time, you're able to view it in a different light. It's not mm. as, and as I've grown over time, mm. it's not as triggering, maybe, in a way. Well, and I just I'm think not sure if that's today exact. people want a quick fix. We live in this quick yeah. microwave, you know, culture, and it's just like, nope. We want Amazon nope. Prime relationships, and it doesn't work that way. Yes. Yeah. And. It's its own. If if we took spiritual direction and therapy as two legs of a three-legged stool, mm-hmm. really good Enneagram wisdom and teaching could be the third, third leg. leg. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I had a question about when Ryan was talking about so much of turning his emotions into anger. Mm-hmm. I, my thought was that you turn your emotions into intensity. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Anger is ever present for you. Yeah. It's the easiest emotion to grab. Yes. And so you're already intense. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't you don't right? Yeah. You don't do anything halfway. Yeah, it's no. intense about everything. Yeah. So right. you're intense about being angry. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to be vulnerable with very many people. Correct. So you're intense about not being vulnerable. Yes. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's very scary to be vulnerable. Things, yeah. Yeah. So why not just convert everything into anger? Sure. And then upbringing 
being in a famous family that's in a spotlight, it's even harder to be vulnerable in front of people because you're never sure what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it, or being a pastor's wife. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, for sure. As you might have guessed, I'm not perfectly suited for that. <laughs> well, and <laughs> honestly, I. I remember when Laura and I met on a blind date, we got engaged very quickly. We got married very, very quickly. And I can remember having conversations with her about there isn't a real easy way to explain what you're getting into. Laura wasn't raised in a family that knew who the Dobsons were. They weren't focused on the family followers or listeners growing up. And so I remember being concerned, like there are a lot of changes coming your way that I'm having a hard time explaining. You're going to get a lot of, oh, it's nice to meet you. And then they'll go away and find out your last name and come back and go, oh, it's really nice to meet you. And that's devaluing as a person. It was okay to meet me before, but now it's really nice to meet me now that I know who you are. And it's going to feel like usury. And there's, there will be, you know, people that want to be your best friend that you don't want to be best friends with because you'll see it as disingenuous. There's all kinds of these things but I'm going to describe it poorly until you experience it. And I'm worried once you experience it, how will you then feel about being married to me? Mm. Sure. And the opposite is true, right? So I'm a little more progressive in my theology than focus on the family, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I heard, you're right. (laughs) But when I heard that you wanted me to be on your podcast, then I said, like, do they know who I am and <laughs> how I am? And because I'm happy to do it, but just make sure they know what they're getting yeah. because of my misjudging on the wrong side or the other sure. side, not the wrong sure. side, right? Yeah. Sure. And so I think we're all sevens are judged a lot. So, mm. Laura, what people generally want from you at a party is for you to be fun and lighthearted. And they want the two of you to bring energy, so don't show up tired. Like, you two are the energy numbers. So we invited you, actually, to keep the party going. Yep. And we just made the sandwiches. So y'all take over. I'll carry it. Yeah. How true has that been, though? Which is great, though, because I, on one hand, that lends to my gifting. I love that. Well, for sure, bring it. Yet, when I haven't, grieved or when I'm in a struggle or something of that nature and I get asked to go do the party thing it is a rub you know sure but I think no learning to be like okay like there's a well balance. and people don't get to know the deeper part of you sure. if that's all they want sure. exactly. yeah. and sometimes you have people that have been around you for a long time and when you go through cancer or your husband having they uh, bail. You know, autoimmune disease <laughs> All of a sudden, you're not the energy fun bringer, and it's like, oh, but I don't like this person. I only yeah, want the other yeah, exactly. one. Right, and yeah. so we're going to step back until you can return to the thing that we're comfortable with, and then we might reach out again, yeah. right? Yep, yeah. Sure. Yep. But I think any sevens and eights probably experience that in other relationships as well. It's not just us. I think that's seven, eight. Yeah, they want you to bring all the energy as an eight, yeah. and they want you to bring the entertainment as a seven. Yep. They're the class clowns. Right. Yeah. Yep. And they want me to bring the food. <laughs> totally. We have a great meeting going on here. Yeah, absolutely. This is perfect. You know what? We have now done almost an hour and a half. Oh, my goodness. And I appreciate all the people mm. that have been listening. And yes. thank you all for being here. 
tell our listeners how they can get more involved with you all. You've got two boot camps coming in June and August. Uh, it's June 11 through 14 and August 6th through 9th. Both of those are going to be in Dallas. You can find that on your website. Tell me your website. LifeInTheTrinityMinistry.com Life Absolutely. How can they get more? I mean, you've got um, The Road Back to You, phenomenal book, fantastic. fantastic book. Where else can we get involved with all the things that you're doing? SuzanneStabile.com will get you everything. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, read the books. Mm. Go to the website. Yeah, you know, the second book, The Path Between Us, is about relationships. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. We really and like that one. And you were talking earlier about... Uh, being instead of doing Mm -hmm. people can't learn that without some help so joe has been contemplative since he was 14 Mm. yeah and he has this magical way i think mystical Mm. of teaching people being because he knows the enneagram he also knows what spiritual practices they should lead with and which ones they should not just go to every time because it's comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Right. Where the edge is and where the challenge mm-hmm. is and all that. And I think the Enneagram is really great, but it's just one tool. Sure, yes. sure. And when you put it with other tools and with other practices, it's better. Definitely. We've got one more question. Diana's asking, she's a one, and she has trouble asking questions because she's afraid she's going to be criticized or judged for asking a question. So how can I ask a question? She says, without it being judged, but I think maybe the question is, how can I ask a question without feeling judged for asking the question? You're going to have to figure out how to quiet the critic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the way you do that is by giving those voices a name. Mm. Mm. You can't, it has to be the same name forever. So be careful. Like you can't change the name next week. So name you gotta, the voice in your head. Name the voice in your head. You got to come up with a name. And then you say, shut up. Just shut uh-huh. up. And then you learn to be aware through the kinds of things that Joe teaches, like centering prayer and other practices. You learn to observe yourself and ultimately non-judgmentally, but that's a journey for sure. ones because they're – but. You learn to observe yourself so that you don't fall in with whatever the voice tells you. Hmm. So when I'm teaching, I say, there's no such thing as a silly question. There's no such thing as a dumb question. No such thing as an irrelevant question. So that gives them something to fight with. Right. Right. Otherwise, they don't have it. Yeah. Right. They won't be able to bring it. Yep. And then don't critique the question yourself. Right. Just let it be what it is. So that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm It's a really, really good question. Especially for the ones. I know ones. Yeah. And before the question comes out, that voice in their head is like, this is a dumb question. Why would you ask that question? This is such a silly question. Yes. And then if anybody has anything to say about the question, it's going to come back negative. Like, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. It's a fantastic question. Well, that's how they hear Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right. That's how they hear it. Man. Thank you, guys. Thank I appreciate you. it so much. It is such a treat. Thank Joe, it is you. such a treat to meet you. Yes, we love well, your nice wife. You, she has been fantastic. And the two of you together are really a force to reckon with. For sure. Well, thank you very much. I'm proud of all the work that she's done on the Enneagram over the years. It's changing lives. It's changed mine. And she had such a wonderful time with you all on the podcast the last time. 
we talked about it for days. So um, I'm glad to have the opportunity to get to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you. Suzanne, thanks for being here again. You bet. Loved it. We appreciate Thank you. you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Rebels, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the program online at facebook.com slash Dobson. We believe in you. We're praying for you. Thanks to Suzanne and Joe for coming on to talk about Enneagram. Man, what a great couple. If you need anything, email us, help at rebelparenting.org. God bless. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.